Is going to work better? Can you guys hear me okay now? Good, 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 good. How many of you guys know I love technology? <laughs> I do. It hates me, but I love technology. So, um, one quick reminder before we get in the word today is that this Tuesday is voting day, right? Or is it a week from Tuesday? All right, so we got things to vote about. I, recreational marijuana is a terrible idea. Absolutely one of the worst, greedy, stupid overreaches of permission I've ever heard of in my life. And I'm a, I'm a former drug addict, so I'm not stating an opinion. But we're gonna get tax dollars. Stop, we never get tax dollars. I, I'm sorry, but the gasoline tax, how are your roads? The lottery tax, how are your schools? Okay, so let's stop believing the garbage that's just propaganda to get us to do something we know in our hearts we shouldn't do. Just a thought. Just a thought. We got people to vote for, especially uh, impressed with a guy named John James. Especially impressed with him. Good man. So I've never met Debbie Stabenow. I'm sure she's a wonderful lady. I, uh, but I'm especially impressed with this young combat veteran entrepreneur uh, guy that just is smarter than any guy in the room that I, I really... I've had the privilege of having lunch with him, shaking his hand, having a conversation, really impressed with him. I, I, I'm this impressed. If I had a daughter, I would entertain the thought that he might be able to date her someday. That's how impressed I am. Okay. So last week we told you a story, guys, about our heritage, where we come from, what we're all about. And live stream, guys, remember, we're recording this microphone now, so you've got to change that maybe. Um, we, we talked about it's our heritage. How many of you guys enjoyed the history lesson from last week? Do you guys like that? I thought it was fun to talk about the fact that there's 80,000 people coming to Jesus globally every day. That every day in the world, 365 days a year, there's 510 new churches being planted to accommodate the harvest. That twice the birth rate in Asia, there's twice as many people being born again as there are being born in Asia, where there's a billion people just in the nation of China alone. It's an incredible revival that's sweeping Africa. They're looking at up to 50%, like 49.7% of all the people on the continent of Africa being born again by 2020. We are living in one of the greatest days of harvest. And it began at Azusa Street, where, where literally we can point from, from a totted line from one prayer meeting in, in Topeka, Kansas, that turned into a meeting in, in Los Angeles, California, that became the Azusa Street Revival, that now directly 600 million people have come to Jesus, and about a dozen denominations have been born out of one prayer meeting that was led by a one-eyed black man whose father was an emancipated slave. How many guys know, man, God's got a great story. He's a great storyteller. I don't mean to cliche you to death, but history is is his story, and he is good at telling stories. And if you say, I'm not qualified to be using that story, I defy you to find someone who thinks that they were qualified to be using that story that God ever used. Your disqualification is sometimes what God uses as your best qualification. So we talked about our heritage. We're going to talk today about our honor. Next week, we're going to talk about it's our turn. So let's start today with our honor. How many of you guys know that, that there is a, a great yet maybe invisible honor and being asked to serve. Uh, when we send out a letter once a year to men in our congregation that have been members, that are, that are servers, that are givers, that are believers and prayers and so forth, we say, we would like you to consider allowing your name to run publicly to be, for the office of deacon. How many of you guys know those guys don't go, man, I just feel so slighted by that? They say, what an honor to be asked by a group of people to, to serve as a deacon. It's, it's a wonderful honor. How many of you guys know the greater the honor um, the, the greater the asker, the greater the honor. You know what I mean? So when the church says, of all the people we know, we'd really like for you to let your name run because we see in you wisdom and being full of the Holy Spirit. I had a friend call me the other day. He said, I, I need prayer. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, what's up? It was like, hey, I, I need to talk to you. This guy never says, I need to talk to you. He's one of those self-made guys that 
you know, when I have a minute, call me, or hey, when you, at the end of the day, when you got time, like, I need to talk to you. Can you, can you walk out of a meeting and right now I have to talk to you, like, something's wrong. So I got on the, the phone, what's going on? He goes, I, I need prayer. I'm like, okay, what's happening? He said, I was just offered a position to be in charge of the security detail for one of the 10 wealthiest men in America, or not men, but people in America. They're gonna be on the Forbes list coming out, fabulously wealthy, um, the salary's ridiculous. I'd be hiring all my buddies that are SEALs and Rangers and Green Berets to be in a, to walk in a diamond formation like the president. We have to have forward teams and away teams, and it's, it's an amazing, I'll be in Hawaii, I'll be in Asia, I'll be all over the world traveling to protect me as the personal body man to these, these people. And, and I, I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, we asked a bunch of questions, answered these things, what do you think? What are your, what are your always, what are your nevers, what are your non-negotiables? How many of you guys know every opportunity, though it might, might be an honor, is not the right opportunity for you? So I asked him all the right questions. Let's remove the money. Let's remove the travel. Let's just get to what God made you to be. And at the end of it, he said to the person, these are my non-negotiables. And they said, well, I'm used to paying good money so that people do everything I tell them to do. And if you have non-negotiables, you can't work for me. And he was able to say, good, I won't work for you. But how many guys know what an honor to be asked to be the security for one of the wealthiest people in the world and, and, and their family, their children. What an honor to be asked to do that. How many guys know that... Um, the greater the person asking, the greater the honor. One of the greatest honors we can receive is being believed in by someone that we believe in. I mean, if President Trump called me on the phone and said, Jimmy, he calls me Jimmy. It's, it's a weird relationship. <laughs> Jimmy, yeah, Donnie, what can I do for you, buddy? I want you to chair a blue ribbon commission to look into a, a alleviating poverty in Haiti by the year 2020. How many guys know that's a great honor? Because someone who everybody has, I'm sorry, half the people of America have believed in, the other half hates his guts, but half the people believe in, you know what I mean, that, that say, well, you come help me. I see you as somebody that I need. You're important. Um, uh, you're, you're capable. I see you as being needed. I, you're trusted. How many guys know it's better than when the, the head of the PTA says we need more cookies for the cookie walk to raise funds for book covers? You know what I mean? Like when the president or a king or, or somebody great says, I believe that you're the right guy for the job, there's just an honor in that. Come on, somebody say amen. How many of you guys want the phone to ring with somebody saying, I believe this impossible task, I believe you're the only person I know that could ever be able to do this. There's a great honor in that. So you want to hear something amazing? The king of kings and the lord of lords that says, I need you. I, I want you on my team. I, I'm asking you to serve. How many of you guys know God doesn't need the partnership of man? An all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God does not need help from anybody. So what is this partnership about? I believe it comes back to this. I don't think we're ever going to have faith in ourselves as God would want us to see ourselves until we see ourselves as he sees us. And so significant tasks, significant treasures, significant talents are entrusted to his people so that at the right time at the right moment, the right way, just like the old man coming to you and saying, you know what? You've been looking at that lawnmower since you were three years old. You're now 10 and I see you as old enough, strong enough, brave enough, smart enough to handle the power of this Honda lawnmower with bagger attachment included. And I want you, son, you to mow the lawn. How many of you know for the first couple of times, that's a real honor? Right? Jesus has said, there are tasks. The world's on fire, and I've, I've embedded in you a squirt gun of my grace. And I'm going to call upon you at certain times and in certain ways to use exactly who I created you to be. I'm setting you up to succeed, and I want you to go and do things for me. How many of you guys know that's a great honor? 
It's an amazing honor. Look, look at this. This is what Jesus says in a few places. Jesus, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I am the king of kings. I am the president of presidents. I'm the chairman of the board of the chairman of the board. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How many guys know that's a significant partnership? So this whole thought that I'm going to get a, a good job and a good education and a safe pension and the, the cottage with the picket fence up north and the cottage with the picket fence down south, and every time the sun turns a different direction, I'm going, to, I'm going to head down to the warmer of the two climates. I'm not begrudging anybody here who has two homes. I'm just saying, invite your pastor in the middle of February, will you, for goodness sake? There we go. So he says this, listen, I, I, I've got a life for you that involves such tremendous adventure that if I hadn't commanded you to go, you'd have never done it. Because it's going it's to take nerve. It's going to take, we got a group that's going to, to Italy right now. It's like, oh, Rome, Italy, what a great sacrifice. Listen, Rome, Italy has over a million refugees, some of them radical Islamists from, from Africa, North Africa. They're walking into the belly of the beast to talk about Jesus. So don't ever look down on any trip. We're getting to Haiti this year. Um, we're hopefully going back to Africa. We've got other things going on. When we go, there's never this sense of, what a great spring break this is going to be. There's a sense of, God, please don't let it kill me. Please don't let them kill me. And please don't let getting there and getting back kill me. Because I get a witness. Because sometimes, how many guys know flying on a Haitian airline is not the safest feeling in the world? When you see the guys up front pedaling, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like, that doesn't seem right. And getting there is half the thing, but then getting into a Haitian van covered with dirt, dog, dense dust, and demons, and you go, and there's no lines on the road. There used to be, but no one paid attention to them anyway. There's no traffic lights. There's an occasional traffic cop, and he's just being ignored by everyone. And you're like, what am I doing here? You can't travel after dark because the banditos will get you and kill you in your sleep. But, I mean, it's just, how many of you guys know that when Jesus calls us to go, it's always going to be an adventure? Not just in Haiti, but in Linden. Not just in Linden, but in Fenton. Whenever God calls you to go, how many of you guys know whenever God talks to you, there's always a party that goes, no, 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 thanks anyway. Why? Because we're growing from faith to faith. We'll never grow in faith unless God asks us to do things we don't know how to do. I'm having fun today. How about you? All right. Another one, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Look at this one. This is Matthew chapter 25, and this is kind of, we're going to go forward and then come back to the point. It says this, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of the world, because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, those who did these right things, will answer him. Jesus will say, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? We, we, when did we see a stranger invite you in or needing clothes or clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply. Jesus says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. How many of you guys know Jesus takes very personally how we treat people? To the place where he says, listen, you give them a cup of water, and I will thank you for the cup of water. You, you dig them a well, I will dig you a well. You, you love them, I'll, I, I will bestow in, in tangible ways my love on you. Jesus has asked us to preach, teach, give, and serve. God has honored us. Are you still here? Into a partnership. 
He doesn't need us. How many guys know that if Jesus appeared in the heavens 40 miles long and 50 miles wide like a video screen and the earth trembled and the mountains, uh, the mountains melted in his presence and he said, get saved, most of us would probably think about that. But what he's done is he said this, I'm calling my children into the family business, into the kingdom. You know, the kingdom's at war. They're going to inherit warfare in this season, but we're going to go and we're going to take the land. That, it, it's, that, it's that he wants us, guys. It's not that, well, gee, I guess I have to or I won't go to heaven. No. How many guys know grace, the, the grace of salvation, the gift of salvation cannot be earned. But once you've received the gift, what are you going to do with it? Giving somebody a vacuum is not the same as watching them vacuum the house. By the way, gentlemen, terrible idea. Don't ever give your wife a vacuum. <laughs> giving, giving your husband a bow and arrow and saying, go kill me something, it's a wonderful gift, right? It's the gift has to be used before the giver can really enjoy being the one who gave it in the first place. I hope you're still here. And he tells us this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, there's a partnership. We're to pray, God, let your kingdom come here. Let your will be done here, just like it is there. I just heard a great testimony this morning, a woman that was dragging a 200-pound garbage can full of candy against doctor's orders, against her husband's advice, and, and she inflamed something. And as it was inflamed, she was here Friday night, started to kind of get like owie and then, and then whoa, and then like, dear God, help me. And she was on her way to leave to go put some ice on it. It was just, she was losing feeling in it, which was bad because it went from like hurting to like really hurting to numb. How many guys know after numb comes the pain again on the way back to hurting? And uh, someone said, what's the matter with you? You're walking like, you know, like, like Igor and young Frankenstein. Like what's, what's going on? And she said, I, I hurt my, I was in an accident. I hurt it. It's pinched. I messed it up. I, and she said, well, stop. Let's just pray. So they prayed right there on the spot. How many guys know why they prayed? Because there's no one walking around with a pinched nerve in heaven. And we say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here as it is there. We're literally in, in invoking the wellness of the presence of God into the sickness of mankind. And they prayed. And you'll never guess what God did. He healed her. I mean, because that encourages me to want to pray. I want to find somebody to walk around, you know, saying, I hurt. It's like, good, because I know someone that will heal that. We're heirs of God and we're co-heirs with Christ, Romans chapter 8. And let, let me show you the heart of what we're looking at here for the next 12 months. How many of you guys were here last week? Let me see your hand. You were here last week. You were here. You were here. You were here. Only half of you. Interesting. Okay. On the way out today, Dina helped me. Ushers, booklets all over again. Okay. You already got this. She's like, I'm way ahead of you. How many of you guys are surprised by that? Okay. Me neither. Dave Carlton, I heard you laugh louder than everybody else. So thank you for that. So um, here's some of the things we're focusing on right here. We're going to be embarking over the next 12 months, starting next Sunday, into some global partnerships. Everybody say global. I don't have time to explain these to you. They're explained very well in the booklet, but I do want to point out to you some of the things that are near and dear to my heart. Convoy of Hope, we want to feed about 40,000 new meals. In addition to the meals, we're already planning on feeding them, uh, the children in Haiti. 50 cents per meal, $10 feeds a child for a month. There's a lot of months full of food in there. Clara's Hope. Our, our ministry to foster and adoptive care uh, families and individuals, and we are so excited to partner with them, helping them with, with just getting families more ready if there's problems, helping them through counseling and other things. And so we're going to be raising funds to bless them. Uh, the Center of Hope, how many of you guys think that our Center of Hope is just one of the greatest things happening in 48430? Bob and Jen are doing such a fabulous job with that. We're so proud of it. And they're looking to, uh, to, to partner with things. I had some the other day say, I want to put some money into that or whatever. And we're, we're going to be hoping to, to purchase a van or a truck that's refrigerated so that food can be transported from A to B to people with greater needs that can't make it to us. 
then they're going to make it to them. And uh, we're so excited about that. Then our missions program. We currently support about 47 missionaries. We want to up that. I know we just took an offering the other day. I'm sorry, I just broke my own rule. We just received an offering. Thieves take, pastors receive. Just get in your head, all right? Received an offering. And uh, you guys did a great job getting us headed in that right direction already. And then we've got some other partnerships, our local partnerships. Right now, if you look at the upper left-hand corner, F Live, um, you know, Facebook Live, we've got the Build the Web Church. Currently, our attendance, now understand the math of this, our attendance is down 5 to 10% over this time last year. But our adherents, in other words, those who consider this their church home, that are a regular part of our worship services, has tripled in the same amount of time. How do you explain that? Live stream's gotten so good, most of you guys stay home on a Sunday morning because the pastor doesn't preach enough conviction. <laughs> but the reach is incredible. The people that are around the country and even around the world that have become a part of our congregation. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in the future, guys, because I think there's something healthy about staying engaged and something unhealthy about disengaging. If all we needed was podcasts, Jesus would have said, write a book, everybody read the book, don't worry about getting together. There's something important that happens. Let me just look right into the camera. Is this the camera, son? Live stream guy right here, close up on the noggin. You ready? There's something important about coming to church. And everybody that's at church that doesn't feel guilty about this said, yes. That was the fleas of a thousand camels prayer. That's what that was. <laughs> But we, we want to go, go gonzo with this. We want to disciple people online. We want to build life groups, virtual life groups. There's somebody in Hawaii and somebody in Singapore and somebody in Mexico and somebody in Japan. We're, literally, I'm not making this up. There's people that are a part of our church all over the world. They get into a virtual life group where they're, it's a video, but they're going to get to know each other, to share time together. How many of you guys know if they're going to they're come hear the gospel, it's our responsibility to disciple those who get saved? So we're going to build that, and on and on, um, building strong schools. We're going to be blessing our teachers. Just this last week, uh, ECO, and uh, I believe maybe one other ministry, got together, went to Linden, took out another load of paper, tens of thousands of sheets of paper. Remember I told you Linden wasn't going to have Xerox paper until the middle of October? That's been extended now until after the first of the year. So they took a load of paper that an in-service day, and they partnered up with some people and places. They took loads of food and coffee, and as the teachers gathered for their in-service day, they fed them, they caffeinated them, and they blessed them. How many of you guys know, as a church, we need to do more of that? So that's what that, that is all going towards. Eco, again, building relationships with local businesses, um, Freedom Center, creative technology upgrades. You say, well, we've got great technology. Think of it this way. I, I, drive, I drove a great car, uh, 2000, uh, what was it, Four, Ford. It's a great, great truck. I loved it. Um, but how many of you guys know that even though it looks good and it sounds good and it feels good, it's still, you know, like seven, eight, nine years old. And eventually things break. And you want to upgrade before they break. Otherwise, they break on a Sunday morning as noises are popping in your pocket. I'm just pointing that out to you that it might be nice to replace some of those things. Making sure our special services are top notch for our teacher's Sunday and Easter's and Christmas Eve. And then we've got our future vision. So this is the people we're investing in for the future, our young adult ministry. How many of you guys know we have one of the most fabulous happening young adult environments in the state of Michigan? I am so ridiculously over the top. The thing I hear so often as people walk through the doors for the first time is, wow, what a friendly church. And I couldn't believe all the young people standing in the altars worshiping. I, did you teach them to do that? It's like, no, they're teaching us to do that. We've got a great, you know, Ian and Megan. I almost said Pastor Ian. That's prophetic, wherever you are. Ian and Megan, um, Pastor Ian, someday. Young Adult Ministry, building strong students through our youth ministry. 
Uh, even though the car was, was donated and the food is donated and the partnerships, that's great. But we want to make sure that our youth ministry has everything it has to continue to do a great job. Our small groups um, under the direction of Pastor Carl and Faye, building strong marriages. We're putting some money into just professional like counseling and preparation and all those things because we want our marriages to last. Freedom Center Ministry Academy, which they speak for themselves. They're everywhere at all times. God is omnipresent and an FCMA student also, omnipresent. Not omniscient, that's why they're here, but they're omnipresent, it seems like, right? And staff development, um, we want to take great care of our people. I don't want staff turnover because staff burns out. I want them to be blessed. I want them to be in good shape, body, soul, and spirit. I want their marriages to last. I want their kids to never say, I didn't have a daddy because my daddy was a pastor. Come on, somebody say amen to that. All right, good. I'll, I'll preach it harder if I have to. And then the Generation Z, our last area, we're going to remodel the entire children's room. Um, there were some drawings you'll see if you haven't already gotten that booklet uh, of what it looks like. It focuses on both the large group and the small group environments. We're learning that our kids' attention span in a large group, they're just, I don't care if Bozo caught his hair on fire with Kermit singing, it's not easy being green with Ernie and Bert, you know, getting into a slap fight. You cannot hold their attention for 90 minutes especially during a one-hour service that it's supposed to be. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> All right, so large group, then goes into the small group, then back into the large group. Kids get to know each other. We're separating the boys from the girls, and all the fathers said, amen, yeah. The mother's like, why? They're all so cute. They're dangerous, and we know because we used to be them. Amen. Summer camp, sending kids off to camp. Fabulous experiences. They had this last year in both children's camp. We want to help families. How many of us know that the, the families that probably have the least spendable income are the ones with the youngest and most kids? We want to make sure all those kids get a chance to go to camp and be filled with the Holy Spirit and called into ministry and have a great week of just being with Jesus. And then summer spectacular. There is no finer, more favorite week at the Freedom Center than the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids. We literally one night had a thousand men, women, and children packed into this room, and the only reason that was even possible was because the fire marshal was not one of them. Amen. <laughs> so all these initiatives, all these projects, all these categories, they add up to about $330,000 over and above what we're currently doing. I just want to hear the silence for a while. I need it. Good. Yeah. So, and next week, guys, we're going to start talking about pledging. Actually, we're going to be pledging next week as a church to serve, everybody say serve, in the funding of every single one of these projects. I believe with the help and grace of God, I, I got good news for you. Every dollar we need, is, we've already got it. The bad news is it's still in your purse. So that's what we're going to talk about, that process of exercising our faith to do the things that are our honor to do because it's our turn to do them. So some people say, well, that's a lot of money. Where would that money possibly come from? All right. Are you still here? Okay, let me put this away for a second. I want to start with an apology. Um, when, I, when I came into senior pastoring, as I was preparing to senior pastor, we had just gone through kind of a significant season as, a, as, a, as the body of Christ in America where people were saying things on television and on radio and in writing. The, the body of Christ kind of got way out of balance for a while when it came to fundraising. Anybody old enough to remember that? I think so. Unfortunately, some of the people that raised the most funds did some of the worst things and were very publicly um, humiliated by the, the oldest sins done in the, the newest of ways. And so when I began to receive an offering, I received it like this. Yes, we are in a Sunday's of God church. 
yes, my first name's Jimmy, but I'm not that guy. I, and I'm not, I'm not the other Jim. I mean, we had Jimmy Swaggart, um, and as soon as you say his name, I hear music. It's just weird. <laughs> Jimmy Swaggart, Jim Baker, and Jim Jones. How many guys know being an assembly got pastor named Jim is not easy? <laughs> Evidently. Although I feel good, you know, so far. But I, for me to talk about, I'm going to use an example. It's going to be a comparative statement. It is in no way intended to be a mocking of a painful situation. Agreed? It's just a really good example. For me to talk about receiving an offering, teaching on giving when I first came into pastoral ministry, it would be similar to, to uh, like a, a, a Catholic priest standing talking about how important it is for, um, you know, for me to be with children. And that, that, what I'm saying is this. There's a small number of priests that did some pretty terrible things, yes? There's a small number of pastors that did some pretty terrible things. Unfortunately, we all got associated with it. Does that make sense? Because it's been 24 years that we've been here this March, and I, I, I just want to start by apologizing because I think I should have talked more about money a lot sooner. This last series we did, the uh, Not Enough, Just Enough, More Than Enough, probably the most commented on as far as, hey, I did it. Hey, it's working. Hey, God's blessing. Hey, we're getting out of debt. Hey, we had the tough conversation. You know, gee, I wish you'd have preached that 10 years ago. I can't tell you the number of times where people say, I wish you'd have preached that 10 years ago. And it's like, me too. So I want to start by saying I'm sorry. I have not taught you well. I've not led you well. And that's just the average person. For those who have the gift of generosity, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 talks about different gifts of prophecy and generosity and leadership and service and mercy. These are gifts that God gives people. Um, I have not stewarded your gift well. I've tried to ignore it. I have even at times downplayed it as if it weren't important and thereby you weren't important. Um, I had a conversation with a guy named Dominic Russo in uh, Birmingham, Alabama this last summer. And he was saying, you know, this is what I do. This is the way when people have the gift of generosity in my church, I do this and this. And we do this together. We do that together because they have the gift of generosity. And as a pastor, I want to steward them. He said, are there any questions? I raised my hand. I said, yeah. I, I wouldn't do any of that. I, I think what you're doing, forgive me, Pastor Dominic, but I think what you might be doing is going after the big givers and treating them differently than other people. I think that's unbiblical. Could you help me understand where you came from? He goes, well, let's, let's do this, Jim. He doesn't call me Jimmy. We're not that close like Donald Trump and I, but Jim. He said, uh, if someone came into your group, let's say they're 25 years old, you notice that when they read the Bible, they have the great capacity to teach other people what they just read. What would you do with that young man? I said, well, I would probably get him underneath one of our best teaching environments. I'd make him like the associate teacher, the filling guy, and then if he really proved himself over the next month to six months, we'd turn him loose and have him teach a class or lead a life group or an iGrow class or, you know, we'd get him using it. Okay, say a young person walks in and you just catch one time and you just you walk into the auditorium and they're, they're sitting in the corner and they're worshiping and they're, they're musically gifted and this beautiful melody and these tears of great compassion and love just flowing down their cheeks. But they're not a part of any worship team. What would you as the pastor do? And I said, well, I'd say, what are you doing? Like, let's... You need, we need that in children's ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry, adult ministry, senior home ministry, mission. I mean, we need worshipers. He said, so you develop those gifts. And I said, I would. He said, okay. What if somebody came in and you noticed that they had the gift of generosity? What would you do? I said, well, I'd shun them. I'd say, I don't know who gives what. I don't want to be a part. I don't want to pressure them. He said, you are ignoring one of the gifts that God gives to people in your congregation, and you owe them an apology. Sorry. 
The gift of generosity can be two copper coins put into an offering bucket. The gift of generosity can be two million dollars put in an offering bucket. But forgive me for ignoring one of the spiritual gifts that God has given to some of you and generosity being something we should all be striving for and attaining to. Um, I've created an atmosphere where there's so much no pressure that I think I've neglected asking people to step up to something that God has for them. And for that, I, I do apologize. So where are we? Currently, about 55% of us do not currently either have the faith or are not exercising the faith to give. Um, again, on me. But after today, it's going to be on you. But right now, it's on me. And I say this. Um, we are doing what we're doing, which is extraordinary, with literally one arm and one leg tied behind our back. Can you imagine what happens when those arms and legs get untied? Can you imagine the children will feed and the ministry that will be funded well and the marriages and the orphans and the clothes and the food? Um, and I think the projects, the reason we have a bunch of projects up there is I think when you're beginning to exercise something for the first time, a gift, it, it kind of takes a little bit more to get you started. And I personally like to give towards something I can see, something I have compassion for or passion for. Passion or pain motivates me to do something. And so there's a variety of projects that are across the street, across the ocean, that are gospel-related, that are need-related, that are poverty-related, that are um, you know connectivity-related uh, with our local businesses and our local schools, and on and on it goes. Because I want to give everybody here a chance to say, that's the one I believe in, and this is why. I, I want to challenge you to accept, come on, this time around, I challenge you to accept the honor of being called into service by the king. And, and I know that we volunteer for the hour at the Inflatable. I know that we serve in children's ministry. I know, and I'm not, I'm not heaping something on you. I'm saying that it is wrong, and I have been wrong not to have brought to you on a repeated basis that God's heart for you, God's desire for you to grow in this gift of generosity. We're supposed to be growing in it. So what's the plan? Here it is. You ready? One to three percent. That's what I'm asking you to consider. I'm asking you to consider whether you are currently giving or currently not giving to exercise the faith that it takes to increase from 0% to 1%, from 0% or, or from 10% or 20% to 21%, 22%. My wife and I have been challenging this. We get to hear it first because we get it hot off the presses. The staff gets to hear it later. Other people get to hear it. But I'm, I'm telling you now, to the masses of people that are online, that are in the room, that will hear it on the radio, I'm challenging everybody here to up their generosity 1% to 3%. In other words, let me just put it this way. If, if we do nothing but what we're doing right now, which is wonderful, and one arm, one leg tied behind our back, but we're, we're moving pretty good. But we're currently we're on, on pace to give in this year about $1.7 million that feeds that clothes, that houses, that reaches to our youth, that provides the service, that reaches out in every direction. And I think that's wonderful. How about you? It's wonderful. But if, if everybody, this is, this is those who are currently giving. So we're going to talk about the 55% in a second. But if those who are currently giving say we're going to increase our giving by 1%. In other words, I'm giving, let's say, 10% now. I make $1,000 a week. I give $100 a week. I'm going to give $110 a week. So that's a 1% increase 1% of my gross income, 1% of my, my income, going from 10% to 11%, it goes from 100 to 110. If we did that, we go from 1.7 million to $1.87 million. 1%. I won't feel in many ways the 1%. We're going to do it. We've talked about it. 
um, whatever percentage it is between my wife and I, but we're not going to feel it because we believe that every time we do something, God does something back. If it's 2%, we all decide to give. Those of us who are ready to give, we go from 1.7 million to 2.04 million dollars. All the projects are paid for and more. How many of you guys think 2% is a possibility? If we go to 3% increase, we go from 1.7 to 2.2 million dollars that not only funds the initiatives, but does a lot of other amazing things. Because our needs are this, our commitments are this, and our dreams are this. There's more that can be done. If the 55% of us who, who don't currently either have the faith or are not exercising the faith to give, I'm asking you to give 1%. You say, brother, the biblical mandate is 10%. We could debate it all day long. The only thing I see in New Testament scripture that I can fully embrace where Paul says everyone should give on the first of the week, put aside a certain amount that's in keeping with your income. So there's a proportional or percentage type giving. I think that percentage should be between you and God and not me and you. And I think that percentage, the lowest percentage we have is 1%. So if you, the 55%, let's say the same amount of money is in the 55% as is in the 45%. If that's the case, that 1%, that 2%, that 3% begins to add up in such an extraordinary way. And I'm, I'm here to tell you this, our heritage is built on generation after generation, year after year, budget after budget, of people just like you that led us all the way here by saying yes to something just like this. It's our heritage. Guys, it's this generation's honor, and it's this generation's turn. It's our turn. It's our turn. It is. Well, I don't want, I don't feel like you're pressuring me. I am not pressuring you. I've smiled the whole time. We've already received the offering, and we're asking for pledges next week. You want to see pressure? I'll bring in an auctioneer. I'll bring in Chris Swanson. He'll beat this pulpit till it's bloody. <laughs> I want you to give because you and God agree it's the right thing to do. Because you see it in Scripture. You're moved by the Spirit to plant a seed. Money doesn't do it. Money planted in faith changes everything. Joyfully, cheerfully, not compulsively, not under compulsion, all the things God asks us to do, we should be planning in faith saying, I believe it, I see it, I want to relieve it, feed it, love it, care for it, reach it with the gospel. Because of that, here's my two copper coins, and Jesus will stop everything happening in the temple courts as he did then and say, right there. That's what it looks like. For some of us, we can do better in two copper coins, and we should. I want you to think, pray, discuss, budget, look at, so that next week we walk in here, we're ready to change the world. Come on, somebody say amen. Every generation before us has done it. It's our heritage. It's why we're here. It's how we got here. It's this generation's honor, and it's this generation's turn. We'll talk about it next week. Would you stand to your feet, please, all over this room? Everybody, everybody, everybody. We've talked about miracles. We've talked about Scripture. We've talked about love. We've talked about why we do what we do. And I don't want to end this service until we've done one last thing. If you're here today for the first time, I came to the Thanksgiving. It wasn't Thanksgiving. The Hallelujahween pumpkin Oh, Rama. What's it called? The Great Pumpkin Fest. I'm just the pastor. I really don't know. It's, I came to it. I had fun. We gave away candy. We threw candy at children. How many guys had a great time, right? If you're here, you're like, man, that's the first time I came. I, I walked in church, and you know, I'll be honest with you, Jim, Jimmy. Um, we talked about money today. I will never apologize again for the rest of my life about talking about money. I'm done. Because I think part of our faith in Christ is to believe in this area, not just in miracles, signs, and wonders. It's in, the, it's in the internal things as well, not just the external. 
I believe with all my heart the greatest thing, one of the greatest things we can do as a church is to be generous and to show the love of God in tangible ways, not just in words. Words are great unless it's a hungry person. Then you need food and words. Words are great unless someone really doesn't have a car seat for the baby or a stroller or diapers, literally until, until we are part of alleviating the cause of fear on the planet through God's provision, through God's people, then, then words are insufficient. We need more than words. Come on. We need love. We need acts. We need verbs, not nouns. I love. Show me. I believe. Show me. The world says, does God love me? We need to show them. Part of that is helping them when they're in crisis, when they're in need. I believe that $1.7 million can become $3.4 million, very simply. It's by engaging what is in this room and putting it in the hands of God. And along those same lines, if you're here today and you're like, you know, I'm here and I'm not in the hands of God. I am separate, my heart, my life, my actions, my mind. I, I walked in here today hoping to find something greater than a, a conversation about biblical finances then in the last moments of this thing, as every believer in this room is not disengaging, but you're engaging in prayer for those that are around you. Amen? Anytime I ever talk about the gospel, every person in this room, your assignment is to pray. Ask God for the lost. Somebody say amen. This isn't a passive time. This is an active time for the entire body of Christ. You're here today, and you're not right with God. There's a room full of people right now. Many of them raise their hand and say, God's done a miracle in my life. And they're praying that God will do a miracle in your life today. The greatest miracle that God will ever do is not opening a blind eye. It's not healing you know, the, the legs uh, of someone who can't walk. It's, it's not even delivering like as it did in my life from drugs and alcohol. The greatest miracle God's ever done for me, and I believe the greatest miracle God will ever do for you is to take all of your yesterdays and forget them. Drown them in a sea of forgetfulness. Giving you today, in this moment, a fresh start, a clean slate, and a new beginning. How many of you know that the God who knows everything chooses not to remember some things? When he sees us, to not look at us according to our, what we have done, but look at us according to what his son, Jesus Christ, has done for us. So what is that? 2,000 years ago, the thought of forever without you was so unimaginable to God, he did the unthinkable by giving his son. And he gave him not just once, but he gave him to this world to take on flesh so he could live a sinless life. He gave him in, in risk of him ever committing a single sin. Everything that's defeated us, he had to defeat every single thing or he couldn't pay for where he'd been defeated. And he risked that. He gave his son to become flesh. He gave his son to be tempted by the devil. He gave his son, not knowing really in some ways whether or not this was going to work. Because again, and we can debate it all day long, but it takes faith to be God too. <laughs> and he believed in us by giving his son to die on a cross in our place. A sinner's death for sinners like me. And when Jesus, three days later, comes back from the grave, he defeated death, he defeated hell, he defeated the grave, he defeated sin, he defeated everything that defeated me, everything that defeated you. And now as a gift, God presents the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ to all mankind. Will you allow my son's death and resurrection to be your death and resurrection? Can I destroy all of your yesterdays to birth all your tomorrows? Will you allow me to do that? And it is your free will that is literally the hand on the key of eternity and if you say yes, it turns and unlocks a door that leads into a kingdom. And if you say no, and you walk away, the door remains locked and you remain lost. The choice is yours. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And 90 seconds will be done. Father, by your Holy Spirit, I pray you would unlock. Give us the strength in our hands and our hearts to unlock the doors that lead into a kingdom. That lead into a king. That lead into life. Life that never ends in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Jim. I'm here today, but I'm not right with God, and I want this. 
I, I, my heart feels it. My mind believes it. Um, I don't know everything that needs to be known. I never will. But right here, right now, I am ready to, to make a choice with my life, with my eternal life. I choose Jesus as my one and only Savior, not my deeds. I failed a thousand times, not some other religion. I, I don't know anything about it, but I know about Jesus now, and I want Jesus to be my Savior. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand when I come to three. You ready? All of it, don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. I will see. God will see, and that should be about it. I'm not right with God, but I want to be. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. All over this room. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. Yeah. feels like Easter this morning. I knew God was going to do this. I just, I could just feel a goodness in his mercy today for all. Pray this with me, will you? You raised your hand, or you, you just were too shy to raise your hand, but you need this and you know it. Or you want to support the people around you so they don't feel alone. Pray this with me right now all over this room. Say this with me. Jesus, I need you. And I choose you. From this day forward, I give you my life. Every day leading up to this day, I give that to you as well. See me through Christ. Forgive me of my sins. Set me free. Come on, fill me with your spirit. Set me on fire. And send me to the world. And I will see you soon. Altar workers are coming forward to pray for you. Ushers are prepared to give out booklets at the back. If you haven't gotten one yet, take one. If you lost one last week, take one. If the dog ate it, went on the floorboard of the truck, you already got yours. Things cost money. So if you need prayer today, the people standing in the front are here to pray with you, for you, listen to you, help you. They're not counselors, but they, they know the great counselor, and they will help. I'm going to head back to the back room to greet anybody I haven't had the chance and privilege of meeting. I'd love to meet you. God bless you. Live long and prosper. We'll see you soon. You're dismissed.